With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Scooped up. This is going to be a Hawkeye touchdown. Right through. And the Hawkeyes have stunned the Wolverines. Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up? And welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how is football life treating you? Football life is treating me well, and all I'm thinking about today is how I wish I collected $1.1 million. Oh, you're not Bobby Bonilla, so I'm sorry to tell you that. Also with us, not Bobby Bonilla, it's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you doing? I mean, I'd be a lot better if I was Bobby Bonilla making $1.14 million every July 1st for the next, I think, another 15 years. He's already collected for the last 10 years. What a great fucking uh, situation there for Bobby Bonilla. Great job by his agent, or if he worked that out, very smart. Bobby Bonilla is making more this year than Patrick Mahomes' base salary is, just to give you an idea. He's actually making more than Patrick Mahomes' base salary plus their amazing first baseman's salary for the 2020 season prorated salary. Mr. Alonzo plus Patrick Mahomes still not making as much as Bobby Bonilla this year. Just got to love Bobby Bonilla and or his agents. All right, guys, subscribe to the podcast wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. It is rivalry week at SB Nation. So we figured we'll use the outside zone to have a rivalry-centric question to kick things off. We're going to play the classic game, Mary F. Kill. I knew you weren't going to say it. I knew. Of course I'm not going to say it. I'll My say it. Don't and he'll yell at me. I, we know you'll say it, champ. <laughs> but we're going to play that game with Iowa rivals. So, champ, if you had to marry F. or kill a Iowa rival, who would it be? So, I mean, first of all, this is an exceptional game that I used to play with my college roommate with random ass women that we both knew that we didn't know. It was just a, just a easy Michael Scott. I mean, it was a great game. So this, so this, uh, this week's topic, like DC said, is Iowa rivals. I am going to start with my Mary. I'm going to marry Wisconsin. I, I like everything that Wisconsin has to offer. We are trying to model ourselves after Wisconsin to be in that echelon like they have been for most of our adult life and throughout our college life. So I'm marrying Wisconsin. I am going to fuck Minnesota because, you know what, I think maybe a little row the boat action, just a little one quick time bang with uh, that that company over there in Minnesota. That's going to be my fuck. I am going to kill off Nebraska. Goodbye, Nebraska. Nobody ever wants to see you again. All we do is dominate your asses. It's not even a rivalry, really, because when's the last time you've beaten us? You haven't beaten us, really, since you've joined the Big Ten. So that 
to me, I'd kill off Nebraska. Those are my Mary Fuck Hill. Those are good. Those are good choices there, Champ. Jer, uh, where where are you going? Like Champ, I am also going to marry the Wisconsin Badgers. I don't think it's any sort of. Uh, it doesn't. It needs to be. Doesn't need to be said on this podcast. But between me and Wisconsin, it's everything I want Iowa to be. I like to put myself amongst the greatness. So if I can marry Wisconsin and marry that rival, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I'm hopefully going to learn my secret, their little secrets that I can then give to the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm going to fuck Nebraska. And here's why. Here's why. One, I mean, you get to sleep with the old former quarterback who has a championship ring. And while (laughs) Wisconsin I'm marrying, they haven't won anything. At least I am able to, you know, have relations with somebody that, Likes to talk a lot about their championships. but on which, top, which former quarterback are you banging? Tommy Osborne or uh, Frazier or Crouch? No, no. I'm, I'm sleeping with Scott Frost. Who? Oh, oh yeah. Makes sense. And it actually lines up perfectly because you're going back to high school just like I, on Thanksgiving weekend, just like I was going to play Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. It's like Black Friday all over again with them. Yeah. But on top of it, after I'm done with that and they tell me all about their championship rings and I get to oogle at them and then we get down to business – I am ghosting them. I'm walking right out and I'm never calling them again. That's the way Nebraska deserves to be treated. And as far as killing, I'm going to have to kill you guys off Iowa State because I don't want you on the schedule anymore. It doesn't help us. It doesn't hurt us. It, it hurts us. It doesn't help us. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of Ames Day. I don't need it anymore. You guys are trash. I have no, I, I just, there's no, there's no point of you being in my life anymore, Iowa State. Go enjoy the Big 12 and continue giving up 40 points to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Jared. Well said. But it's going to be a clean sweep in terms of who we are marrying as an, as an Iowa's rival. It's Wisconsin for me as well. They are just what we want to be. But more than that, it's just a very similar – you have a similar mindset. Everybody gets along when you're going at these games. Everyone – I. Go up to to my parents' lake house in Wisconsin wearing Iowa gear. No one's giving me a hard time. It's mutual respect. You you need that in a relationship. You need the mutual respect. For as champs so eloquently quit to bang one out, it's going to be against Minnesota for me as well because you can get Minnesota fans all nice and riled up, hot and bothered. And then what happens is Iowa normally beats them. And you come back home and you take a trophy and you leave them all hot and bothered and, and, and come back on to Iowa City. So why not? If I'm killing, I'm with Jer. It's it's the clones. I can't stress this enough that Iowa needs to get rid of the Iowa State Cyclones off their schedule so that they can start scheduling more premier non-conference games that can elevate the profile of Iowa Hawkeye football. Yeah, like more Utah State. Well, that's because we have to play Iowa State every year. We're playing the likes of Utah State in 2023. So I don't think any big surprises there, guys, but I think it was a fun game to play. Hit us up on Twitter uh, and let us know what you would do there. But we're going to move into our Iowa football positional previews this week. We're going into the offensive line. And it's very similar to the defensive line. We're going to go through what's what needs who needs to be replaced, who's coming back. We're going to throw an over-under at you. We're going to compare what this unit's going to do in conference or in the season biggest question mark and then our very exciting at the very end last week underreaction and overreaction predictions wrap the show up so let's kick things off with this who needs to be replaced very similar to the defensive line last week this week it's another uh top nfl draft pick in the case our first round draft pick tristan Wirfs, 
has left the program. So, Jerry, I'm going to start with you. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your worry level on having to replace Tristan Wirfs? Before, during the NFL draft, it was 100 out of 10, easily. Tristan Wirfs is an animal. He's, if anybody wants to watch the film, unless you're, was it Pro Football Focus that didn't like him? Do you remember that Twitter like yes. piece that happened? When they Complete were like, yeah, morons. yeah, they, they and but they the video that they put up there was him literally just pancaking everybody uh, like down the field. Tristan Wirfs is unlike any other lineman that I've seen. He's he can easily be up there with some of the greats when it's all said and done. And the sheer fact that he gets to then now go and 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 play with Tom Brady is going to be absolutely ginormous. But he leaves that big of a hole for the Iowa offensive line. Now, bringing in a guy like Koi Kronk. Definitely solidifies some of that. I don't know if that's where he's going to play necessarily, but I think putting him, somebody with experience, somebody with experience in the Big Ten, next to a guy like Alaric Jackson, solidifies the the outside of the offensive line. It's when we get to the middle of that offensive line that I begin to panic more so now that Kronk's in the fold. And we're going to get to the to who's who's coming in to replace Tristan Wirfs, but Champ, on a scale of 1 to 10, your, your worry level, panic level on having to replace Tristan works. I mean, there's Jerry, like Jerry mentioned, there's no denying the absolute animal that Tristan works is. I mean, he, there's, this is a guy that has played, I mean, he, for sure the last two years, almost every snap, his freshman year pretty much played almost every snap as well. So you're talking about a three-year starter, a guy who was consistently dominant while he was on the field. So you have to have a level of concern. If I had to put it as a one to 10, I would put it at about a six or a seven. Because like Jer said, I like Koi Kronk, and I think he can step in. He can be your right tackle. He, I mean, he's done it. He, he has played for Indiana, started primarily there the last couple seasons at right tackle. I think you can slide him right in as a grad transfer. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, I know, was big on going to get Koi Kronk, and he's excited about Koi Kronk. So if, if Kirk and the offensive line guru that he is is that excited about the possibilities of Koi Kronk, I am as well, and I think he can step in. He may not – he's obviously not going to be the player that Tristan Wirfs is. Nobody's expecting that. But if he can step in there and be an above-average starter, I think we would all be thrilled with that. And I think that that offensive line as a whole wouldn't take that much of a step back if he could do that. So I'm going to put it at about a six or a seven. I think you need to go lower. Uh, And now that you've mentioned all that too, I think it's – honestly, just talking about it right now, I'm bringing it down to a two. Because you're talking about a four-year starter and a guy that was a team captain at Indiana, so if that's so you went for, you went from a pre-draft rating of 100 yes. <laughs> down to two because well, of Koi Kron. Yeah, because I don't I trust I trust All the right. guy that's been there, done that for four years in the Big Ten. I don't trust Mark Kallenberger. Oh, I don't either. Definitely, that, and don't. that's fair. But I think on a scale of one to ten, my my worry level is higher. It's nothing to do with Koi Kronk. It's the player that Tristan Wirfs was while he was at Iowa. Koi Kronk's going to come in here and probably do just a fine job playing right tackle if that's where he ends up. But he's not going to duplicate what Tristan Tristan Wirfs did. That's exactly what I was saying. The exact same so, um, thing. I, it, yeah, you're exactly right, Champ. It's to me, it's higher than what Champ you were saying. Though it's a seven or it's an eight, maybe even a nine, because I do think Tristan Wirfs was that good of a of a, a right tackle in college. <laughs> we're talking about a guy that before he got hurt, before he got hurt, had legitimately like mid round NFL grades going out of that year. Now he has a potential to go and learn with Kirk Ferentz and be part of this Iowa system. 
he can't be a second or third rounder? That, that's a good I'm, football I'm player. He can't be, but the question is not what your confidence level in Koi Kronk replacing Tristan Wurst. It's having it's a worry level on having like panic level on replacing Tristan Wurst. Yeah, I'm at a zero now. I'm the other way. And wait till you hear my overreaction. <sighs> Here we go. There's a tease right there. Let's shift gears into who is coming back for the Iowa Hawkeyes this year. Um, we're going to do the exact same thing. You're one to 10 confidence level in the entire offensive line unit. Going quickly through the names coming back. You've got Larry Jackson, Tyler Linderbaum, Mark Hallenberger, Kyler Schott, Cole Banwart, the newbies as Koi Kronk, as we've just mentioned, Justin Britt, Cody Ince, and Jack Plummer also going to compete for playing time there. Champ, we'll start with you. One to 10 confidence level in who's coming back this season for the Iowa Hawkeye so offensive line. The higher number is good in this case, correct? Correct. You're more Okay, confident. so I am going to put my confidence level at about an eight and a half out of 10 right now. I, I am very confident in two guys specifically on this offensive line. I think we're all pretty confident in Alaric Jackson at left tackle and Tyler Lindenbaum, Linden, Linder, sorry, Linderbaum at center. So I, I am very confident in both those players. They need to find a couple guards, whether, you know, it's a Tyler Schott, a Justin Brins, a Cody Ince, a Cole Banner. Two of those guys are going to have to step forward and be every down guards. Maybe it's a Mark Kallenberg. He played a little guard last year. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I think I'd rather see some of these younger players get some more time in at guard. But if they can develop a couple solid guards out of that group of four or five players, their offensive line is going to be very damn good. Because when you have – and, uh, you know, pro a most likely first or second team preseason left tackle and Alaric Jackson, you know, all Big Ten left tackle. Tyler Lindenbaum was already a first team all center, you know, Big Ten all center last year. He's probably going to be a preseason one again. So when you have those two guys and then, like we mentioned already, Koi Kron coming in at right tackle, that that's three solid pieces hopefully you have right there. You fill in those two guard spots and this can be an exceptional group. I don't think you, you – you're spot on there, champ. But Jared, what's your confidence level in this unit? A hundred out of ten. <laughs> Here's what you have. Like I just mentioned, you have the outside solidified. Koi Kronk, forty games already played in his in his career in the college level in the Big Ten. That's enough for me. I'm I got the right side solidified. Alaric Jackson, he was he was probably going to go if he didn't get hurt. He would have been gone, and then we all would probably have been in a sheer panic because then we would have had two new tackles plus a new quarterback, that does not equal a very good offensive line. But he's thankfully still here. He's still going to play. So right now you have two spots solidified with all Big Ten talent. Throw in the center, which needs to be the smartest guy on the offensive line, period. Plus his experience going with a Spencer Petras is paramount. It is the most important thing going on the field. If he didn't start those 13 games last season and work his way into potentially being one of the best centers in all of college football, things would be really, really bad for the Iowa Hawkeyes offense this year. But that's not the case. And then we go into the two guard spots. And I, I don't – not for nothing, but Kyler Schott, the way his work ethic has put him in the position to succeed and he played those six games last year, he's the one that I'm rooting for and I think has the biggest potential to solidify the rest of that guard spot. And then it's fill in the blank with like three or four guys who have really high ceilings according to everybody and what every coach has said about them. So 100 out of 10. Bang. Jerry's getting right into his optimistic self right before football season. There better be a football season or Jerry's oh optimism God. is going to be some somewhere else. I don't know what he's going to be able to he's, devote it to. He's sipping on something over there. I don't know. It looked like a yellow Hawkeye Kool-Aid can. I don't know what he's drinking over there, but it's, <laughs> it's I mean, it's flowing. It's flowing into his brain. The bush light. 
<laughs> my my confidence level is in that seven to eight range. And I think no, just seven, seven or eight out of ten. And I think that's more projection. And I, I you guys both hit it on Tyler Linderbaum uh being just an potentially to be an all American center here. Once I figure out how to say his name, that is. I'm that's, sorry. It's just tricky. The first three times trying you to gotta go really quickly through the dirt part, champ. Yeah, Linderbaum. Linderbaum. Stuttering Stanley. Stuttering <laughs> My question mark for this team, it's a Larrick Jackson. If you if go back to our interview with Rob, go hang on. I'm going to tie us all together back to a previous episode we did when we interviewed Rob Donaldson. We yeah. asked him the question, who was going to be the next Iowa first-round draft pick? He was not the guy named. Alaric Jackson should be. He gets all the accolades. He gets all the hype. He gets all the pub. But there have to be some questions on Alaric Jackson and whether or not he can stay healthy, whether he's athletic enough to really dominate and be that stud anchor of a left tackle. Having a center like Tyler Linderbaum is great. Stud, we, we grew up with the Bears. We grew up with Olin, Olin Krutz just being that stalwart as a center for the Bears offensive line. But without a dominant left tackle, the offensive line is going to have holes. You guys both mentioned yourself, you have to shore up the guard spot. If Alaric Jackson isn't that lights out stud of a left tackle, it's going to highlight the challenges on the inside even more going into this year. I mean, you're right, DC, with, with Rob said. I, I think specifically he talked about the hip movement of Alaric Jackson, that he it may not be a prototypical first-round left tackle. He doesn't have that. doesn't matter. I mean, you're, you're going to need to have – you're going to need to improve on that Didn't Rob bit, also say that's the reason he's playing left tackle because of that hip placement? He's not as like – He did say that, and he also mentioned that he might, after the injury last year, that it might he may not have been the same player because he was only playing at about 70 80%. So, you guys have to take that into effect. If he comes in, you know, let's say he's 100% coming in, he maybe loses a little weight, gets into that, you know, prime shape that we know Larry Jackson get into. Then all of a sudden, yeah, then you have a dominant, you know, maybe first-team All-American left tackle. Who knows? I mean, he has those capabilities, so I we'll know. see. Jerry knows. Mr. 100 knows. All-American. And, and seven or eight, like, I'm still very confident in this unit as a whole. I think they can still be a very solid unit. I think Larry Jackson can be that staple that anchor on the offensive line that you want at your left tackle spot and I'm very confident in Koi Kronk shifting but at the same time the question is he's played left tackle we've seen Larry Jackson not be able to move from left tackle to right tackle and so he has so Tristan Morris had to move over to right tackle how does Koi Kronk shift to the other side of the line I mean all these things are are things that need to be figured out early on and the schedule is not easy early on that's fine and fair but when it's all said and done you're talking about a guy that's played there for four years and at the co- at the collegiate level, whether he's got hip movement that isn't NFL first round draft pick ready, it's still going to be plenty to protect uh, Petrus's blindside. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly think so. I'm just they're they're fair questions to ask going into this team and and the guard spot. I mean, you can't have a game like Michigan again next again this year. No, you can't, you can't. give up eight sacks in a game. They they cannot. Well, if it's just one game, fine, but. I mean, look what Iowa did last year. It was just one game. DCU and I talked about it before the start of the show. It was one game that they gave up the majority of their sacks. Yeah, but as Champ brought up when he joined uh, before we hit record, he might good point is that Penn State still hit Stanley a lot up the oh, middle. They weren't they weren't getting home and getting sacks. Nate Stanley didn't even know where the fuck lot. he was after the end of that uh, that Penn State game. He got hit in the head so many times. Are you reporting that he was concussed? He, th- he thought he was in Ames, Iowa. He didn't think he was in Iowa City. I mean, he had no idea where he was. 
think this goes perfectly into the over-under for this positional group going into this year. The Iowa offensive line allowed 23 sacks a year ago. Good for third in the Big Ten. I'm going to set the over-under. This is actually right in the middle for the four-year average of 23 and a half sacks allowed this year. Jared, Mr. 100, are you taking the over or are you taking the under? I'm taking the under. I think that last year the problem was the interior of the offensive line, and I think Kirk and Brian both know that. So I think that they've probably spent a good amount of time making sure guys like Kyler and, and Linderbaum are all ready to go. And I, I think those two being a year older are going to solidify everything inside. So, no, I think, I think 19 to 20 sacks allowed this year is right, right around the right number. Be a great number. Champ, you taking the over or you taking the under? So I am also taking the under, but I have a different reason to why I'm taking the under. I think this year, this offense with Spencer Petras is going to be a lot more quick passing from him. I think they're going to get the ball out of his hands to these playmakers. We, we all know we're, we're not previewing the wide receivers this week, but we know the talent that Iowa has in the wide receiver. It's going to be an explosion. I think, I think Spencer, I think Brian Ferentz, especially – let's say the first half of this season when Spencer Petrus is taking his first real snaps of college football, I think they're going to not only get the ball out of his hand quickly. I think they're going to run the ball a little more than they did last year, especially with our boy Goodson going to be getting, I think the majority of the carries this year, because he's shown what he can do. So for that reason, I'm going to take the under, I think that part, you know, coupled with maybe a little more run game, some quick passes, Maybe, you know, hopefully the, the interior of this line does improve, like Jer said, but I think it's going to be right around that 20 mark. I think this year the offensive line is going to be one of the strengths of the Iowa football team. I w- thought this would be a slam dunk under too, but when you look at the previous years, I mean, they've given up 30 sacks before. I want to take the under, and I think it's going to hit the under because really if you look at just last year, you take out go take the season average in place of the mission game. They lead the Big Ten in sacks and the least fewest sacks allowed. So I'm going to take the under. But if some of these question marks, if they don't solidify the interior, if Koi Kronk can't move to right tackle, this could get out of hand pretty quickly. But I'm going to take the under as well. Three for the under. Very optimistic. I like it. I just I think going back, and if you look at the overall resume of what that team did last year against the, the rest of the schedule outside of Michigan, it is a good enough resume to assume that they can get that number way down. Like if they just add it, if it was two sacks against Michigan instead of the seven, all of a sudden we're talking about a totally different offensive line and performance. To play devil's advocate, though, Jerome, we do have probably a more difficult schedule this year. We, I mean, we didn't play Ohio State last year. We've talked about their defensive line as being one of the top units. We have to go to Penn State. That stadium gets real loud. It's hard for offensive line. You not know, if it rains. Silent. We know that. I mean, not if it <laughs> rains and it's pretty quiet and we still find a way to lose. But, I mean, if it, it, there is a more fall. difficult schedule. So, it, that has to come into play in terms of sack numbers. You, you play a, a more difficult schedule. You got tougher teams coming in. And, hope, I mean, I took the under, so I'm not going to talk myself out of it. But it's just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, fun game. Love playing devil's advocate. As if 2020 doesn't already suck. Let's talk about the devil's advocate. <laughs> okay. On that note, champ transitioners in perfectly into looking at the Iowa schedule. Give me a, a team that this offensive line unit is going to succeed against. Somebody on the Iowa schedule, someone they're going to play who the offensive line might have their best game of the season against. Jerry, we'll start with Oh, you. it's Minnesota. They lost everything. P.J. Flexovich, 
the Gophers were all either just screwing them or we're not even talking to them. So at this point, it's Minnesota. I think that's the game that I was going to have their best game against. I think, like Champ mentioned, the rest of the schedule is very, very difficult. But I think the amount that Minnesota lost and how we all, I think, pretty sure speaking for all three of us, think that last year was kind of a mirage more so than the what's going to be the actual like Minnesota Golden Gophers under PJ Fleck for the foreseeable future. Um, I think there's just a lot of glitz and glamour there that um, even if we have to go to Minnesota on a Friday, I, I just think that they're, uh, they're going to handle that defensive line. Hey, that's, I'm going to probably say this all every week, every, as we preview this season, but I don't believe in Minnesota. So I, I like that answer. A there's lot. only one Champ. other answer, I think. Okay, well, Champ, who's, who's well, hopefully answer? I have that other answer, and it's the fucking red shirts of um the black shirts, red yes, shirts, whatever the fuck you want to call them. <laughs> it's Scott Frost and the bitch ass Nebraska team. Yep. I think they're gonna not only dominate that game, they're gonna run all over Nebraska. Did you watch? Did anyone watch Tyler Goodson dominate Nebraska last year? Left, right, up the middle, didn't matter. Whenever he got the ball, he was dominating that defensive line, and Iowa's offensive line is gonna push them the fuck off the ball. They could all they have to do going into the Nebraska game is play the clip of Tristan Wurfs literally carrying, carrying a defensive end from Nebraska to their sideline and pancaking them in that game. Play that clip on a loop all Nebraska week. Get that offensive line fired up, and they're going to come out with their best game of the year. It's a, it's the Nebraska game. There really isn't any other choice. I like both of those answers a lot. I was going to go with Minnesota, but to go with a different program, different game, I'm going to go with the Purdue game. Purdue is just not a team that's going to get to the quarterback a lot. It's an easy, easy answer, but these guys took the, took the two better ones. Purdue's known for their offense. They're not known to getting after the quarterback. So give me, the, give me this team at the end of the year, solidifying themselves as a unit, going into the Wisconsin game with the Big Ten West on the line. This team is going to be hitting hitting on all cylinders, and they're going to play their best game in the season versus Purdue. It's a good call, DC. I had that. That was my in case someone had taken Nebraska, I had Purdue down as well. So I still think Purdue call. has of the three teams that we named has the best player on the defensive line right now, and it's that kid that came from Greece and just somehow moved to West Lafayette and didn't know any better, and he's like a true freshman NFL type defensive end, and he's at fucking Purdue. Yeah, he is a stud. You're right about that. But you know what? Look at what Iowa did last year to stud defensive linemen across games that we thought they were getting torn apart on sack numbers. They played their best games. So one guy is going to be easy to game plan against. Yep. yep. <laughs> we'll get into the next question. because Let's move on. On the flip side, give me a team on the schedule you guys think the Iowa offensive line is going to struggle with. Champ, kick things off. It's got to be the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, they're just... It doesn't matter what year it is. It, it, they have to go to Columbus. Who knows how many fans are going to be there. Let's just pretend, because we're going to be optimistic on this show. Let's just pretend that there's 110,000, including the three of us at the Horseshoe. It's going to be loud. I know, DC, you can't go. I'm sorry, actually, that I said that. But the two <laughs> of the three of us at the Horseshoe. Um, you made it so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> the two of the three of us at the horseshoe watching that game, it's going to be tough. I mean, the, the, the Ohio State's D-line is legit. They're probably top five in the nation. They're fucking great. It's going to be hard for Iowa to contain that with that loud atmosphere. Who knows? I, I'm going to go with Ohio State. It's, it's a good one. I mean, they just we talked about it last week on the defensive line preview. They just reload on the defensive line. They have weapons. 
everywhere. They just restock with five-star talent. Jer, who are you going with? Yeah, I figured one of you would take Ohio State, so I prepared something else. I think it's Wisconsin. They are returning every single defensive lineman who had a stat line from last year. And granted, they they run a 3-4, and they lost some of those linebackers that did make a lot of those plays. But Wisconsin is still the benchmark. And I think Iowa didn't, wasn't able to put the ball in the end zone because of how the linebackers and the defensive line, which kind of go together for Wisconsin, were able to contain that Iowa offense, uh, especially starting at the line. I just think Wisconsin is – we know what Ohio State is. Penn State lost their coach to the NFL, but and they're replacing two guys. But everything up front for Wisconsin's all still there. They're going to be tricky as always. Yeah, I mean Wisconsin's a pretty good option. I think the only reason I didn't I didn't go with them is because they're still replacing their edge rushers. So guys who don't know, don't really have the experience of getting to the quarterback. I'm gonna take my chances. I mean, granted it's the end of the year, but I like Iowa's chances of, of holding them kind of in their in their. Uh, in their spots i'm gonna go with penn state you guys neither of you guys took that one yes they're losing their off their defensive line coach to the nfl yes they're replacing gross matos on the defensive line but they have just as much just as much depth as ohio state does they have jason owa Owe, who's just as much of an athletic freak as anybody he's going to step in and take a big part on that defensive line that scares me champ you mentioned last year how they just constantly were hitting nate stanley they're going to be they're going to be at home if they turn some of those quarterback hits into sacks it could be a long day for the Iowa offense yeah and you got Parsons coming off the edge I mean that's a scary situation to think about because you're probably going to have to double him and that's going to leave up some free time for some of these other guys St. Simmons as well there are I mean Penn State's loaded they have a recruiting class that's coming in that's loaded these are the three teams these are the three teams that if you look up and down the schedule are going to continuously be the benchmarks for Iowa and it's all going to start in the trenches like it always does. If Iowa can contain, then Iowa's going to be very good. But if they let Michigan-type games or even Penn State games like Champ continues to mention, and they're hitting Petrus uh, uh, with his first starts of his career, getting punched in the mouth, it's going to be a long fucking season. I'm really shocked that none of us said the uh, Iowa State game and their vaunted defensive line. I, 41 I so. points to Kansas. <laughs> That Big 12 defense is just so scary usually. So I thought it's sure not it even good. It's not even a good defense in the Big 12, let alone when you take up against a Big 10 team. You think they have a better defense than Rutgers? <laughs> it's probably pretty close. Does Rutgers go up 40 points to Kansas? That I, I don't know. They may have played Kansas last year. I feel like that was a game, but maybe not. You feel like Rutgers Kansas was a game? Uh, maybe. God, not. I hope not. I feel like no. No, I feel I like there was a week where Jerry, where Rutgers was like a 30 point favorite and Jerry like took them minus the points. And yeah, we were like all UMass. like, what do you, oh yeah, UMass, that's what it was. They're all like, what? Have you ever seen Rutgers be 30 point favorites ever? Did they UMass cover? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't think they did. They may have. I don't think they did. Though. All right. Well, you guys are all both very confident on this offensive line. So I have to ask the question, what is your biggest question mark of the offensive line unit heading into the season? Jerry, we'll start with you. Nothing. <laughs> no, I, in all seriousness, my, Play big, the game. my biggest question mark is Spencer Petras being able to coordinate the offensive line, be in sync with a guy like Tyler Linderbaum. They don't have the type of spring. I don't know what practices are going to look like. I, that takes time to develop. That type of synchronization, that type of getting on the same page, 
that that that's a hard thing to do. You see it all over the place. Mitch Trubisky, our quarterback, yes, champ, our quarterback. He's not our quarterback. He may be your quarterback. Spent, He's not mine anymore. Spent like an entire preseason under center just to get to know how his center likes to snap the ball and how they do reads. Yeah, how'd that work out for him? It's a very <laughs> James Daniels moved to guard. <laughs> it's a very underrated and important thing to do. And I don't doubt that Spencer Peters probably has done it in the past, but going from the backup to the guy is a very different type of mentality. So it's all of that together as one cohesive unit that I'm most worried about. I think, but I think champ's right. I think they're going to, the way to attack that is quick passes, get the ball out, quick reads, let these athletes that Iowa has make plays, make plays or die. And, uh, just that's how you're going to get everything settled down and into a rhythm as you head into the season. But champ, what's your biggest question mark? So my biggest question mark, I, I think DC, you may have a similar one. I don't know, but it's for, it's for me, it's Koi Kronk being able to replace Tristan Warps. I mean, it's very simple. There's two big things with Koi Kronk. One is, is he going to be fully healthy? Because we've mentioned that he missed most of last season with an injury. And two is, can he move from left tackle to right tackle? Everybody thinks like, Oh, he started all these games at left tackle. It's easy. You slide over to right tackle. It's actually the easier position. But for some people, it's not that easy. I mean, some people are just natural left tackles. The hip movement, the way they move their position, their arms are better on the left side. We'll see if he can move to right side. That's a big question to me. I, I, I'm expecting him to be able to, but that I think is the big when – you're, when you're replacing a guy who went top 15 in the draft the year before and was an absolute – he was the best right tackle in college football, I think. I mean, it definitely was the best right tackle in the Big Ten. So you have big shoes to fill if you're Coy Kronk. Not, people aren't expecting you to, to be Tristan Wirfs. But you have to be an above-average player for this offensive line to be where it wants to be this year. So it's a big question for me. Yeah, I think that's a good question, Champ. And to kind of harp on that, it's not – I would argue it's probably easier to move from left tackle to left guard than it is left tackle to right tackle because everything's just – you have it's completely opposite. You have to be able to yep. move in the complete opposite direction. Exactly. That's all fair and well, but I don't see Kirk Ferentz watching the tape and getting to know this guy and not asking him to come if he doesn't think he's incapable of doing it. Maybe, but let's think – maybe Kirk Ferentz thinks Coy Cronk is going to be a great left guard. We haven't even thought about that possibility. Maybe he's like, like DC said, he's a left tackle. He naturally moves over, you know, two feet over sure. the left guard. Sure. And maybe he's that. And then all of a sudden, who the hell's our right tackle? Then it's Mark Kallenberger, and that means they believe and in Kallenberger. And that's I, I mean, if, if we believe or not, it doesn't matter. But that means that means that right tackle position is a big question mark coming into the season because – we don't know for sure if it's going to be Coy Kronk. And if it isn't, if it's Mark Kallenberger, that's an even bigger question mark and as far as I'm concerned. He hasn't shown me much at all in his career. And, Champ, I think another thing to kind of harp on is if you look, if you read The Athletic, you read Scott Docterman's State of the Program Iowa piece, when it gets to the right tackle portion, he lists Mark Kallenberger first over Coy Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, you don't know. It could be Kallenberger. But I'm fine with a mash unit on the left side. And, and that's yeah, and that's absolutely fine. I'm just saying I don't. I think a lot of fans, us included, think Coy Crank's just going to slide over to the right tackle. But to your point, I'm going to trust if Kirk Ferentz watched the tape and thinks he's just going to slide down a spot to left tackle. Fine, so be it. Let's have a dominant left side, yeah. left side of the of the line. Goodson doing the outside zone on the left side over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm in. Absolutely, absolutely. And that kind of goes into my point: is can. Uh, Tyler Lindenbaum or Alaric Jackson be be that true 
all-American stud on the offensive line. Every good Iowa team has had a, at least one stud offensive lineman to kind of be that linchpin for what this unit can do as to, to be successful. Can Tyler Linderbaum cover up the holes that the guards have gave him last year? And can we, can we make that a strength? Can Alaric Jackson get be healthy and show off dominance that some people had going into last year being, being a first-round draft pick? Those are two my two biggest question marks is that this unit needs a stud anchor and I need to make I need to see who can actually step up and do it. Tyler Bomb is great. He's the smartest guy. He's probably gonna be an all-America center. But let's not dismiss the fact that the middle of the offensive line did have holes last year. Yeah. And so he he has to be able to take another step up to be able to cover up some of those holes with this guy if there are guys next to him who aren't who aren't uh, competing. Sure. But looking at it right now, would you say that Iowa has two the potential to have two and a half all-American type guys on this line this year? At yes, least. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I I really like I like Kyler Shot a lot and I think that he has sleeper potential. Then you toss in a Larry, you toss in Litterbaum, and you toss in a guy like Coy. I mean, that's three and a half guys that you could potentially see as all American type players. And, and that and I'm hundred percent agree with you. And I think that it's the biggest question to me, but it's not the most unanswerable question. It's a pretty, it's a, it's not all around the because they have three guys who are just absolute studs and dominant in this offensive line. And this offense just sets new program records all year long. I really feel like we're sleeping on a Larry Jackson right now. And I'm not sure why it's, it's just me. I will take, I will stand that Island myself. I will, that's fine. I fully believe he's going to be dominant, but I want to see it. I want to see him healthy. I want to see him be targeted by defenses and getting blitzes thrown his way and how he's handling that. And especially when he's protecting a new quarterback. That's a fair, that's fair. fair. I mean, just, when, he, he, there were times last year when Alaric Jackson struggled. I mean, they, but he, he was, like you said, champs, 70%. I understand, but we don't know. He's a four-year sure. starter in we Iowa. We don't know for sure if he's going to be coming back at 100%. We don't Why know not? that. We, we're hoping he is, but Should be. you never know. I mean, the guy's worn two knee braces since the days. They all campus. wear braces. I, yeah, that's the Iowa thing. Now, like Stone but, Cold. I mean, you got to have the braces on. Is he going to crack Budweiser's in midfield? Fuck it. If he's an All-American, let him do what he wants. Yeah, why not? That'd be great. We're sleeping on this kid, guys. We're acting as we're if not we do sleeping on him, Jerry. We're, we're, not, the, we're just not we're at playing a just asking out of 10 games. on optimism like you. We're trying to be a little more realistic. Pump it in my veins. Yeah, we hey, know. You're, the you're, two of us have to settle you down. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually pretty optimistic, too, but sometimes you just take it over the top. If he – I don't mean, the health thing doesn't matter to me. It's the pass protection. If he developed the pass protection and it's better this year, even slightly, we have an All-American right there at left tackle. I 100% agree. Uh, we agree. We're not. That's we're not I don't really think we're sleeping on him. I just think we're, we're asking uh, vital or not vital, but valid questions yes. over what this offensive line can be at peak performance. And I think that goes perfectly into our predictions. This is the Jerry segment, so give me Jerry. You have to take out, take, stop chipping the Kool Aid for a second. Give us an underreaction prediction that you have for this offensive line. Oh man, did I say nothing last week too? I feel like I should say no, nothing not. again. My, it's that they there's going to be rotation and a revolving door at left guard. That they're going to try Britt, they're going to try Kyler Shot, they're going to try Banwork. They might put Plum in there, and there's just going to be a revolving door, kind of like it's been the last couple of years. We had the Paulson twins, you had Banwork, 
and whether it's injuries or just not strong play, that there's going to continuously be one piece of this puzzle that's not going to be up to the rest of the offensive line standard. Does that include moving guys who are already in other spots around back to the left guard spot to see if they hit better there? If that, if, if Kronk's there, then this isn't a worry for me at all. Because that means to me they'd be leaving Kallenberger. But, yes, I, they, at some point I could see it potentially happening where Kronk gets kicked into the left guard and Kallenberger starts because they have more faith in what he could do on the outside than what a Brit or a Plum or Banwart can do at left guard. That's fair. Champ, what's your underreaction prediction? That was hard. So mine is twofold. <laughs> One we've talked about already, and it's Coy Kronk struggles to replace Tristan Wirfs, and they, they don't have the solid right tackle that they thought, whether it's, you know, Kronk not being able to play there or it's Kallenberger going out there and struggling like he did last year. And the second one to me is if what if Alaric Jackson comes in out of shape? And what if he's not 100% healthy? Then all of a sudden – What if a tornado hits tackle? Cannon? This is underreaction. So, I mean, you have to prepare for this. But what if he comes in and he's just not the dominant left tackle that we're expecting him to be? And then all of a sudden, we think this, that this line that's supposed to be one of our strengths then becomes one of our weaknesses. And you have a, a, a sophomore quarterback that hasn't taken many snaps back there. And he, all of a sudden, he's getting rushed. He's making bad decisions. He's trying to get the ball out of his hands too quickly and throwing picks and, you know, getting hit and fumbling. And that's just bad. We don't want any of that. That is bad. I hope that doesn't (laughs) happen, but that's my underreaction. Jerry just hates when, when he's, he's outnumbered and he, when no one else is optimistic with him, he just, it's just visibly paining him to have to listen to all this right now. I mean, this question is visibly, uh, the whole (laughs) question is painful for him because he never wants to underreact anything. My, my underreaction prediction is similar to Jared's, but it's not just a left guard. It's they, the coaching staff cannot find a combination that it's effectively going to both sure up the guard spots in the offensive line and replace Tristan Wirfs, right? It's exactly what Jared said. They don't, they might have to move Koi Kronk to guard, but then they open up a, left t- a spot in the right tackle. If, and then to build on that, if champ, if to champ's prediction, if Alaric Jackson is struggling, coming back, not healthy, then you're just opening up a whole can of worms. That's just not going to lead to a, uh, a very successful season on this offense. And it just goes back to having an anchor, having Alaric Jackson, be that guy, having Koi Kronk be able to either move outside or be right next to Alaric Jackson, have a solid part of the offensive line. And let everything else fall where it's made. But to me, the the biggest worry is that the staff can't figure out a combination of these nine or so guys to who can play the best every Saturday in the in the fall. Fair. Yeah. Good job. Jer, we're making you go last for the overreaction <laughs> prediction because you're Mr. 100 here. I will kick things off since I went a very optimistic last week. I'm gonna say this this unit, they find five guys that gel instantly. They are, there's no changes across the offensive line combinations of the entire season, and they allow single-digit sacks for the entire season. Champ? I like that. Up. I like that. I, I have a couple predictions. Number one is I think they're going to be a top three unit in running the ball this year. I think they're going to have more of a focus on running the ball. I think Tyler Goodson is going to become an absolute stud for this offense. We're not talking about the running backs this week, but just a little foreshadowing into future weeks. I absolutely love Tyler Goodson, and I think he might be the best player on this offense. And that's saying a lot because we have a lot of playmakers coming back next year. 
I think this unit, this offensive line is going to be a strength for this team. I think they're going to be a top three rushing offense for next season. Then I have a couple individual player predictions that I'm going to go with. I think real quick before you do that, just because we don't think we've talked about the running game really as what this offensive line needs to do from the running game perspective. And I think to me, I intentionally left it out because I do think champ to your point, Tyler Goodson makes all the difference in the running game when it's this style of running. You have to have a speed back who can find the hole and get to the hole in a hurry. And that's Tyler Goodson. It's less so than the offensive line. Okay, champ, you can go ahead now. All right. Uh, very good point, DC. That's an extremely good point. I think Alaric Jackson and Tyler Lindenbaum are going to be first team all Big Ten players this year. And I think Tyler Linderbaum is going to be a first team all American center for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I am expecting big things. So, that all that Alaric Jackson negative talk that I've had in my mouth the last few minutes, that's going out the window for here. This is an overreaction, you know, portion of the show. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. First team, maybe second team All-American, first team All-Big Ten. And I think Tyler Linderbaum is the best center in college football right now, and he's still so young. It's just to watch him grow with what he's done for this Iowa program. It's just going to continue to be – a great thing to witness, and I think this year is going to be a special year for Tyler. Love those predictions. All right, Mr. Mister 100, Mr. Overreaction, Captain Optimus. What's your overreaction prediction for the Iowa Hawkeyes offensive line? Right off the top, the average draft position for Alaric Jackson and Coy Cronk is going to be two. That's right, two. That means we either have a first-rounder or a third-rounder or two second-rounders. But regardless, we have the average draft position of two. And on top of it, we are going to have not one, not two, but three Big Ten All-American offensive linemen. And it's going to be at the two tackle spots or slash guard if Kronk gets kicked inside and Linderbaum. This offensive line is going to be the best mashing unit in the entire Big Ten West. And if Wisconsin can't solidify their linebackers, Tyler Goodson is going to run behind every single one of these guys, including Sam Laporta when he lines up, and he's going to have one of the best seasons that we have ever seen from an Iowa running back, and that's including the guy hanging right over my left shoulder here in Sean Green. This is setting up to be the best running and passing attack the Iowa Hawkeyes have ever seen on offense. Book it now. So, folks, if you don't know, we're recording this July 1st, so the calendar has officially turned to July. This is when Jerry is at peak optimistic for Iowa football, specifically the Iowa offense and Brian Ferentz and what he can do as offensive coordinator. So we are right on schedule there. I mean, when when is Jerry not optimistic about Brian Ferentz? I mean, it doesn't matter. What, it, any of the 12 months of the There's been times year. the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty optimistic. The optimism's kind of ran out. But <laughs> USC – Yep, there you go. All right, guys. Well, that's all I have written down here for the preview. Anything else you want to close out the offensive line preview with? I think we can all agree that we think this offensive line, if you had to, we've only done two position groups, defensive and offensive line. I think going back to defensive line last week, I think the three of us can agree we have a little more confidence in the offensive line than we do the defensive line. Is that something, a fair statement from the two of you? I would agree with that. Jer probably has the same number of confidence in both units because he's Jer. <laughs> no, Champ is right. I have more confidence as a whole because of the amount that 
of, of players that they have available that they are very high on. And that's coming from guys like Docterman and Morehouse and guys like Robbie and people that actually do put watch, watch offensive lineman tape. I'd love to see mm-hmm. what Robert Mays has to say about some of the Iowa linemen, just so I can like totally nerd out. But it's Kirk Ferentz. This is what he does. This is his passion. He's talked about it a million times before. When he's done with Iowa one day, he's just going to go like coach offensive lineman somewhere. Like this is what he yeah. does. So if and this this potentially could be one of his better groups that he's coached. I mean, it right definitely has the potential to be a, a top five Kirk Ferentz offensive line at Iowa. It, I, I feel that that could definitely be the case this year. With a little more injury luck this year, this is going to be a fantastic line. And if you think about it, all the bad luck Iowa had last year on injuries across the team, the, the luck should go Iowa's way this year from in terms of injury. Also, there isn't as many opportunities for these dipshits to go get hammered before the first game and get suspended for the first one or two. Elaric. So there we go. <laughs> But it, it still is Iowa, Jerome, and a lot of the bars are a little – it's a little more loose there than it is in some other states. It is loosey-goosey in Iowa. So we'll see. Hopefully Just if you they... go out, don't hop on your scooter, please. Yeah, please. Just walk Be or take an Uber, one of the two. <laughs> and wear a mask. Venmo us. I'll Venmo – I'll tell you what. If there's a player listening to this – just oh, ask me for a Venmo. I'll pay the $4 to bring it back to Hillcrest. No problem. <laughs> Jerry's going to start a player taxi service. Would, is that, would that be an illegal benefit? Probably, right? Probably, yes. But you, I want to get them safe. How no, is that? but if they, if they pay you, then it wouldn't be illegal. Right. They have to pay you. You service. can't do it for free. But yeah, what if I just to want them you. to be safe? How is that bad? I mean, that's it's you'd a, have to register it with the university and yeah, make it. A, you'd have to be a university, university probably employee employed by the university. I think exactly. I think the university has other things to worry about than my four dollar Venmos. <laughs> <laughs> well, the NCAA does it and they'll find a way and they'll crack Fucking down and Mark. the entire offensive line will be suspended. And then Here, we're screwed. Jerry, I have a way to turn it around for you. So when you go and pick them up downtown in the Ped Mall, you can you can have. I'm not phone. the Uber. I'm willing to <laughs> pay the Uber. You could be the he lives Uber. in New though. Jersey. He's not you can United move States. to Iowa city for the year you'd sacrifice that for you know for a few months you can that instead of having them pay you they can you can have them take them to chipotle order the ingredients of chipotle? a burrito then go across the street to poncheros and get the actual burrito and then put the ingredients in there that could be their fee to pay you i'm sure most of them are to do that because they're smart people well there you go perfect unlike you okay that was hurtful it's a hurtful way to end the show <laughs> <laughs> that is a very rude way to end this show. Guys, uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you guys listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, at Dave Cray, and at BHGP. We'll be back next week previewing another off- or another position group for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Until then, happy fourth. Don't blow your fingers off. Go Hawks. Puncheros is always better than Chipotle. No questions asked. Coy Crook! I have nothing to say. <laughs> Trick or treat, Iowa City! If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.